Hey everybody, welcome to episode 39 of the Doctrines of Rad podcast. I Dang am sense. Drew and next to me is Logan. As uh, if you've never met us before, uh, welcome to the show. We Friends hope you enjoy podcast. it. If, uh, Dang sense. If, uh, the <laughs> it wouldn't be a Doctrines of Rad podcast without technical difficulties. Uh, One of these also, days. One of these days, man, we're going to get it right. We're we'll going to get, get invited right. on to freaking Daily Wire. They're going to be like, we love y'all. Come on. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to take over the comment section with Brett Cooper. Um, So uh, we do have a special guest that's going to be joining us here shortly. He is uh, getting off work and running a little bit behind, but we'll uh, we'll introduce him. We'll bring him on when when the time has come. Uh, Logan, uh, what's been going on with you this last couple of weeks? Uh, Things are getting good, man. We're about to have a baby. Uh, Yeah. Baby number two, another little girl. She has yet to have a name. We haven't named okay. her yet because um, I gave my favorite name to my firstborn. Uh, so the other one is kind of – I don't know, Drew. You have multiple kids. How do you how do you love the next one just as much as the second, um, like the first one? I don't think I can, man. I feel like I'm just going to tolerate the other one. <laughs> no, it's weird. Um, you will – you know, I was I think I was having this conversation with my daughter recently just saying like, I didn't know that I could love any more people in my life. <laughs> um, and every single one of the kids that came along, uh, I realized that I, I had room to, to love them. And uh, it's, you know, I think it's, it's a reflection of the character of God. I think that that's, a, mm. that's innate in us that when we create our children, uh, we love them. We love the creation that we've created. Um, and there's, there's, you know, there's something to be said about birthing a child and uh, creating a child between a husband and a wife and um, and having that baby. But it's like you get to partake in God's creation. Um, and you yeah. still like I still know that God put the soul in my daughter, uh, gave her a personality. He knit her together in my wife's womb. Uh, and same with all with my sons as well. And, and it's uh so it, it's a very um, fascinating, awe-inspiring experience to be a father. Uh, I'm sure it is to be a mother as well. And uh, and really, um, you love your kids, man. But the more that you have, it's like the the Lord just opens up another compartment within you that you didn't know that you had. A compartment of love. <laughs> I just yeah. I'm telling you, man. I'm think I'm I'm just gonna tolerate the next one because I love this one so much, but. That's what everybody's been saying is like you just you don't know until they're there. They, yeah. You get to know. So I watched like my wife's belly earlier, just like this giant movement across her stomach. And I'm like, oh, that that looks uncomfortable. Like a sea monster. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Something moving underneath the boat or the ocean. Yeah. Uh, I found that uh, I, I think two kids is the hardest that it gets. Uh, now, your your daughters are going to be a little bit further apart, right? Uh Sailor is how old? Yeah, four She's years. Four. So, um, my my sons are all three years apart. So it's probably not too too much of a difference. Um, but you will find uh, it's it's um, having two children is significantly more challenging than having one. Mm. Um, however, having three and then four is far easier than having two. So everybody keeps saying that like two yeah, is hard, true. but three is easy. Three is easy. Cause you've, you've really, 
um, you've just kind of, you've seen it, like you've seen it play out. You've seen the yeah. kids live and, and you know what hurts them and what doesn't, you know what works and what doesn't work. And so, cause two, two children changes the dynamic. You're used to only having to deal with one's attention. Mm. Uh, when you bring in two, now you're having to deal with two and, and, and they're at two different phases of their life too. So you'll be dealing yeah. with one child in a whole different way than you deal with another. And then when they get older and they start interacting more, then, then you have to deal with them each individually and how they interact together. Like my sons all interact differently together than they do with my daughter individually. So my boys, you know, they're, they're boys. They, they get uh, rough and tumble with each other. They're always like punching and, and hitting. And it's like this, this constant, like, uh, display of masculinity. I mean, that's the best way I can say it is like, they'll, they'll, you know, buck up their fists. They'll, they'll jab at each other. They'll throw yeah. each other around. But, but that each, type of uh, competition isn't there with her. Well, no, I mean, there's a very tender spirit towards my daughter, uh, my oldest, who's an adult, you know, he's very much like a second father to her. Mm. I mean, he's always been older. She's always seen him as a, an authority figure, you know, close to being an adult. Um, my seven, almost 17 year old, he, um, you know, he's very loving, but he's, he, you know, he's a teenager in the years that she's developing. And so, um, there's a big disconnect there. And then my 13 year old and her, uh, they get along wonderfully and they fight wonderfully. Like they bicker like siblings wonderfully as well. So, uh, it's just a, it's just a fascinating that you just learn so much about, I think you learn so much more outside of yourself when you, when you have a lot of children, um, and, and you're invested in their lives. It really, I think it's a way that God uses, you know, sanctification as part of it. So one thing I'm struggling with is like letting go of the things and the passions that I want to do and making room and space yeah. for my kids developing their passions and stuff that they want to do. I, I do. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not gonna lie. I'm really struggling with that. I got to start letting go of things and just, well, look, it's too late. You missed it. You're dad. Well, now. No. You got to, I would, I would disagree with you though. I know what you're saying. And I feel like I felt through this. I went through the same process, but well, give me, um, give me some, give me the pastoral counseling. Cause I, so, I need it, man. Cause it's, it's tearing me apart. I don't want to give boxing up. There's you know? going to be a phase of your life. There's going to be a season in, that you yeah. will have to, to give some of that up. I mean, that is just the reality is you'll have to put aside certain things uh, for the benefit of your own family, uh, mm. which is a beautiful thing. Anyway, it's a God ordained thing to do. Um, but the hope is, and here's the encouragement, is that actually as they get older, you and your wife will actually will, will really become more freed up in some ways to do things at a different phase of your life that you can really invest more uh, mature time into. So like, um, for example, I, you know, I wouldn't have been able to do podcasting and all the ministry stuff early on with with my uh, if my kids, you know, at their early ages, because they took up so much of my attention, once they start hitting the teenage years and they start to naturally kind of pull away from mom and dad to become their own identity and they start to begin forming their own views and opinions and they kind of separate a little bit. Um, if you've raised them right up to that point, because really you've done most of the good or the damage by the time they're like six or seven, like you've already instilled yeah. the the values the core of the things that the kid is going to be by the time that they're like i don't know i think it's like seven or eight maybe six or seven something like that um so uh 
when they get to that teenage years, then you're going to find yourself like they, the kids don't want to hang out as much with you. And you're going to to find that you and your wife have more time to figure out things to do together. Uh, but at that point in your life, you're not as concerned about doing all of these things together. Uh, you like to do things individually that you are passionate about. So, for example, Rachel loves to do books on tape. She likes to watch certain shows like we're at that stage where the end of the day, she's like, I'm happy. I'm going to go do my thing up in the mm -hmm. bedroom and, you know, yeah. until I fall asleep. And then for me, that frees me up to say, OK, I'm done with, you know, the youngest child is in bed, which is the bulk of my day is the youngest. My, my two other boys are self-sustaining, so I can go do what I want. I can put on a show or I could throw, you know, throw open a book. It frees me up to do this podcast, uh, to do, you know, all kinds of other things. So that comes later. That comes when you're a little bit more mature. The kids have grown up a little bit, but it's worth it to invest invest in them now because through that, God is going to mature you to to kind of give you your passions when you're a little bit older and more freed up. Gotcha. But it comes Just, back, man. You're going to have time. Yeah, I guess I'm trying to do it all, you know, work, yeah. hobbies, provide, be a good husband, be a good father wear all these hats and it's at the end of the day i'm just tired yeah yeah but yeah man dang i guess i just gotta wait to be on that end of things so right now i'm in the thick of it yeah it's just a season bro believe me i mean they those seasons come and go in our lives and um and i'm not complaining like i believe me right. i'm i'm grateful like i'm so happy to have another yeah. baby i want, oh, of course, I want 12 of more if i can yeah. But it's, it's daunting because, you know, even when Rachel and I, we had a, uh, you know, I think I told you about the, we had a little pregnancy scare a few months back and the reality hit me. It wasn't like, I was excited if it was true that we were going to have a baby, even being a little bit older. I, I thought that was cool. You know, that's kind of exciting. Um, but there was the reality of like my life and the things that I like to do right now are going to have to be put on pause again. And that was, that was kind of the more scary part for me. It, it wasn't having another baby. It was like, Oh, well the things I've loved to do, the routines that I've been in, they're going to change again. And it's, yeah. I love being in routine. I, I love every day being set and the same. And just like, for me, I probably it's I, the military, but yeah, I was about to say that gives you some kind of solace. Doesn't having a routine yeah. and keeps you on path with what you've done for the last 20 years. So, yeah, yeah. I think so. I, I still am definitely developing more, uh, better habits because if I don't, yeah. I'll find myself kind of just sitting around and thinking about what to do and not actually doing anything. So, um, did you, you having a baby like reminds me, did you see John the messenger's latest video? You probably haven't. No, uh, dude, it's a TikTok, so it's a stitch, right? Uh, and it's like this guy going, "You, God has commanded us to go forth and make disciples of all nations." And it clips over to John, and he's like, "I've already made four. And it's like a picture of his family. Like, keep up. <laughs> he's like, "Cause I've already made four disciples. Get at me, bro. It's hilarious, yeah. man. But yeah, having as many kids as possible. So, uh, I mean, were y'all disappointed about the pregnancy scare? Like, or are you now? Like, how? Uh, there was, a nice. part, there was yeah. a part that was like, oh, that would have been kind of exciting and, and interesting. Like, I'm always excited to see kind of like what God has planned for us as a family. And uh, 
there's just there's there's been lots of twists and turns in this story that God's writing. So um, having a baby at in my 40s was it was a little scary, but at the same time, I was kind of excited about it. But I think ultimately it just makes me more excited for grandchildren, like uh. Uh, with my son having kids. And, and maybe maybe that's part of what God's just preparing in my heart is to to be ready for grandkids. Dude, so I was like kind of bummed out that I wasn't having a boy. Yeah. And, I understand that. And I don't I, I don't understand why I got that way. Cause I love like the first time I kinda got why when I heard it was a girl, I was like, oh, really? I kinda knew I was gonna have a boy. Um mm. and you know, I found out it was a girl and I've I've enjoyed every moment of being a girl dad. And then the second time it was like it's a girl again, and I was like, No, it's no. And mm. I don't know why I even got kind of in a in my feelings about it for a second like it just for a split second i was like ah it's not a boy um yeah. so i don't know where that comes from but i think that's um, that's kind of maybe a one day inheritance like thing i think so like right like it's a biblical thing to... right i want yeah. my my firstborn man carry my name to yeah. let the le- legacy continue but like i'll get that through my girls like i'll have some grandkids that right um uh, maybe they'll maybe i maybe i'll have a boy we'll see yeah you never so. know man i mean there the the beautiful thing at least i think now in our culture in our understanding is that we don't value a male over a female in the, in mm. the sense of like they used to where you know they would kill female babies until they could get a male uh in some cultures you know there was little worth to having a daughter it was far more significant to have a son And I think that we're in a place in our culture now where we acknowledge that any child, you know, male or female is a blessing. And, um, you know, I don't think that it's the I don't think it's the name legacy that matters the most. I think it's the spiritual seed legacy. Oh, absolutely. So all the trace your lineage back through your spiritual lineage, you know, who can trace that back through? Yeah. So like although John was being like facetious in that video. Yeah. I mean, he's right though. You're 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 going forth and making disciples of all nations. Yes, but it begins in the home. Absolutely. Right. That is your first ministry. So, I would expect him to be making disciples of his household before he goes out to the nations. Yeah. Actually, that's, I I that's a I, I, I find it necessity. That's a theonomist concept. It's a Christian yeah. nationalist concept. Um, I think it's a right concept uh, to to. Uh, evangelize the world uh it starts in the christian homes you prepare you know your children for ministry um in in whatever aspect of ministry that they're called to be in Mm. um but in that and that very well may just be the the ordinary ministry that you're called to uh to just being a good good wife or a good husband you know right um so zambia is a christian is an official christian nation Right. Like it. So, oh, so you know about that? Okay. So Zambia, well, like I've heard, literally, I've heard a bunch of stuff going on in Africa. Like their yeah. their their constitution, preamble, stuff like that. It, it gives nice. God glory, right? That is in their governmental documents. Mm-hmm. And so, and and here's something I struggle with with Christian nationalism is like, I have a person that comes to me and says, Logan, I don't want to subscribe to your worldview. Mm-hmm. And part of me is like, well, that's fine. That's your prerogative. You just have to go. <laughs> you can't. Mm-hmm. You, uh, you can't be here. You know what I mean? I don't. 
that doesn't sit well with me because part of me be wants you to like be like you, you, you don't should have be to go here. but we're but you're gonna you're gonna stay and live by these biblical rules yeah I but I, I think there's too much to go how far before and and I love I can't wait to finish like well I guess begin because um, I kind of just looked at some summaries of it of uh of Christendom right mere Christendom 2.0 Mm-hmm. Um, mere, what is it? Mere Christianity? Whatever yeah, Doug Wilson's book. Yeah, mere, yeah, mere Christianity. So Mere Christianity is by C.S. Lewis. Yeah. Um, so how, what do you do? Like, how, how do we prevent ourselves from becoming similar to what you would see in like The Handmaid's Tale where you're just killing people, stoning them, right. taking matters into your own hands instead of having the state um, do it where we're back to the Salem witch trial type things, right? Sure. Um, because I, I know people, and uh, that's what I, I actually expect, the uh, yeah. Salem witch trials, right? Well, you can't live by the law. I mean, if you, if you can't live by the law of the land, go to another land. I mean, I, I think the idea in the immediacy – what's up? What's up, She's Moonlight? The the idea in the immediacy of, of Christian nationalism would be the, the sovereign state's – holding to their own biblical Christianized constitutions. Mm. Uh, and then the people there, there being, you know, an amnesty period look like you can live here, but these are the laws. These are the rules. You don't have to, you don't have to be a Christian to live here. However, you will not steal. You will not blaspheme. You will not murder. You will not do these things. Uh, if you feel like you can't do that, then you're going to either be arrested. You know, if you're going to if you're going to commit those crimes, uh, you're going to be arrested uh, or you move to another state that's that's not a Christian state. Um, I think that would be the first part of the process. Um, yeah. But there obviously there has to be amnesty periods. I think it can probably start in towns and cities. Uh, but this is a this is a leaven in the lump type process. This is not going to happen where. We're going to vote on it. And, you know, in 2024, we're a Christian nation again, uh, upholding biblical truths. I think this is going to be if we are truly still the early church uh, and and the post-millennial view of, of the end is true, then um, over the next, you know, the course of however many years until the Lord comes back, uh, we just are uh, slowly, methodically Christianizing our environment. Um but uh, I do want you know, to bring – before we continue this conversation, I, let me bring uh, our guest on, uh, Mr. J.P. Awesome. Sherman. Um, he's going to bring him in here now. Uh, I don't know if you could hear us. Could you hear us while you were in the waiting room there? Yeah, yeah, I could. Okay. Yep. Do you have uh, anything up, that you, that you want to add to uh, to the conversation thus far? Oh, I mean I, I kind of just jumped in on the you know, Christian nationalism part of it and – you know, it's it, that part's hard for me because um, I, I guess I'll just add in saying I, I I'm not exactly sure where I stand, I guess, because, you know, I think and maybe my hermeneutics wrong on this. But I, I do believe, you know, Israel was supposed to be a godly nation um, and live by God's law. And if you didn't, there were consequences for that. And I think I think. Salem witch trials. That's I get you. We'll yeah, just go like, ahead. <laughs> I, 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 like, and, and you know, I th- I think I agree with a lot of what you're saying, Drew. You know, I think it would be good to establish laws based on God's law, 
uh, more so than we have now and, and establish our nation as a Christian nation. But, um, but there's a, but, and, and, you know, the, but comes is, you know, is there, is there grace in that? And I think there can be, um, there should actually, well, I would say should it, it should be, yeah, there must be, there must be, there, there ought to be, you know, right. and then, and then, so I think it, I think it would be, it would, there would be a very heavy hand over those who are, are in, in, in power to dish out grace or justice based on the transgressions that they commit um, against the law of God, you know, and, and, yeah. you know, I think it's also important to remember that if we're going to be a Christian nation, establish America as a Christian nation, that we tell people these aren't just subjective beliefs. It's important to stand firm on the truth and say, this is, this is objective. And it's right. not just, it's not just a, a, a a societal or cultural, you know, common what we consider sin, but it's a, it's an eternal infinite sin against uh, an eternally holy and, and mighty God. That's that right. holds high and weighty consequences, not simply just, Oh, you broke the law because you sped. Right? No, it, it needs to be, it needs to be upheld by godly magistrates and godly administers, uh, administrators, uh, in the sense of, um, you know, the judges that we have, the the governors, the mayors, uh, they have to exemplify a godly life in their in their own walk uh, in order to even begin to try to uphold or maintain that same uh, that same ex- expectation on the people. Yeah. Um, it can't just be mm-hmm. we do this because we say so. It, it is it has to truly be like these things glorify the Lord, these things do not, and that needs to be an open part of our dialogue, and I would say even an open part of our justice system uh, is uh, we explain the violations and uh, in accords to the statutes of God. Um, but yeah. again, you know, I, I have to emphasize, guys, like, I don't think, I don't think that this is an overnight thing that could happen. Um, I think that it, this could be the the birth of a thing that comes in many generations from now, this could be the, the beginning foundational conversation about it. Uh, but I will say with as fast as the, the world has been moving around us in the terms of shifting societal norms and everything else, we may be right around the corner of it too. I mean, people, whether they're Christian or not, have gotten very sick of the secular demonic overtones of our society. Yeah. And so I think we are at a, we're at a perfect opportunity for a perfect storm. And that could be really good or really bad. If the wrong actors are in play when it comes to Christian nationalism, then it becomes a Christian dictatorship and that would be inappropriate and, and, and very bad. Um, And, uh, but I think people are looking for something that needs to be different. Like the world around us, this isn't working. It's not sustainable. Like people, non-Christians are saying the same thing. Um, so we got to do something. I know somebody's asking a question, how do uh, you as Christian nationalists? So I don't know that everybody else here would be considered a Christian nationalist. I think I would consider myself one at this point. Um, John 1836, let me uh, pull it up. Does anybody else want to add anything to what I just said there? Um, so, so, okay. So we have this christian state right and we have these laws that are being implemented um my fear would be that people are just doing it similarly to how 
we have cultural Christians already today, right? So we have people who are just doing it to do it and not understanding the, the reason behind it, right? The why yeah. behind it. Uh, so Jesus said, "My, oh, you got it pulled up, don't you? Are you pulling yeah, it up? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it says, Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest uh, by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom uh, is from another place. Yeah, that, that uh, I've heard this actually used uh, quite a bit. I, I don't think contextually it's speaking of the same thing uh, as the idea of Christianizing the world. Uh, yes, of course, Jesus's kingdom is, is not of this world. It is not founded in this world. It, right. it is it is counter to the things that we see that we consider natural in this world. Um, and so I think Jesus is in part addressing, hey, uh, these people are not going to fight because this is supposed to happen. My arrest and my crucifixion are supposed to take place. Uh, so they're not going to fight for me the way that you would expect uh, so I think he's addressing the the then uh, in that moment. Uh, but I think if we're going to draw a theology from that or a doctrine from that, uh, I don't think that that doctrine necessarily is speaking against Christian nationalism. I think what it's really just uh, maintaining is that the world, the, the kingdom that God brings, I mean, Jesus says my the kingdom, you know, uh, it, the kingdom of God is like this. It's like the leaven that, that goes into the bread and leavens the whole lump. It's like the mustard seed that gets planted into the ground and then becomes a giant tree. Um, so, nice. uh, and, you know, John the Baptist tells us that, uh, you know, what does he say when he sees Jesus? He says, repent for the, the kingdom of heaven is here. And so it's at hand. Uh, it's at hand. Oh, so, 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 um, <laughs> If his kingdom is not of this world, that doesn't say that that it's not. We're not supposed to make this world like his kingdom. I actually think that he's. That's what he's saying is my kingdom isn't like anything you guys know or can expect or can process or comprehend. Uh, but I am ushering in my kingdom now, and it. Uh, the, and we see that in Christianity, how uh, turning the other cheek and forgiving seven times, seventy-seven times, like these are all. Um, uh, radical concepts that the world was unfamiliar with that are that are expressions of the kingdom of God. So, yeah. um, does does anybody disagree with with that, or is that does that track you think? No, I I yeah, I mean I I track that you know, and I think um, John Piper, not I think John Piper made an Instagram post the other day, and you know Christians everywhere are hyperventilating, uh, like John MacArthur says, but uh, you know it he said how he doesn't really, he's not entirely for Christian nationalism because, and I don't want to misquote him, but the gist of it is that, you know, um, and I think you, you said it, Logan, that a lot of Christians, or maybe as you drew, but, but a lot of Christians are, are going to be accepting Christianity because it would be considered the national religion. So yeah, it would be the right? norm. It would be right, the norm. Be, right. It'd be and, taboo and, not to be what everyone else is. Right. Yeah. And, and people would be, culturally and socially accepting Christianity without God reaching into their heart and doing something there. Um, so we assume, and, right? Yeah. So yeah. And, and, and not, it wouldn't be for everybody, but I mean, it's, we can even see that now in church culture, you know, people who grew up in Christian homes who maybe aren't saved, but they, they grow up around this Christian culture and then they end up leaving, they end up leaving the church when they get older because there, there wasn't, really a, 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 a move of God in their heart. It was kind of just the, the culture. It was the society. It felt clean. 
it felt nice. And so I think uh, there's a fear there um, for Christian nationalism because of that and, and maybe a danger. Um, but I, I, I also would say to add to that, you know, I don't think that we shouldn't do things. I don't think we should avoid implementing um, godly laws and, and uh, establishing ourselves as a godly nation just because we fear that some people might not actually be affected by it. You know, God doesn't say, don't establish my law if people might not be affected by it. He just says, we, you know, Paul says, we uphold the law. Yep. So I would I would I would respond to like Doug Wilson ahead, would to, to John Piper. I would say, what's the alternative though? <laughs> right. Yeah. What we have now. Right. <laughs> so the alternative would just be more of what we have now. Yeah. Uh, well, to me, it's it's like the argument shouldn't be like let's not do it because we lose down here, which I think was a big Twitter argument. The because you know as a dispensationalist, MacArthur, you know, he has made that statement before. You know, Christians don't win here. God yeah. wins, but we lose down here. Um, I think that, like, uh, what's the what's the harm in trying? Like, what what genuinely is the harm in concocting and brainstorming this idea of how a Christian state? I mean, let's just say Christian town. We could even begin with like specifically Doug Wilson's town of Moscow, Idaho, right? Like we uh, he he is really pushing this Christian nationalism thing. So let's say they, they are successful in pulling that off. One of their church congregants, a believer becomes the mayor of Moscow, uh, Idaho. Uh, they begin to write laws and bylaws that, that begin to make their town a Christian town. Then yeah. they begin to see, uh, you know, then we can measure it. Then we can look at it objectively and say, well, these are things that are working. These are things that are that don't work. Um, but to me, to just shut it down at the beginning because you don't like the word Christian nationalist because CNN has told you that those are the bad guys that are going to come for you. Neo-Nazi right? Like, fascists. Right. So like, <laughs> yeah. so take the word, just remove the word and let's just say, like, let's put together a vision as the church to begin to christianize our towns let's get some church members elected to local boards let's get yeah. so you know so that's like so that. important right so dearborn uh, is a city um in michigan right it's the mm -hmm. second largest city in michigan uh with the 2020 2020 census right it had 109,976 uh people as the population right okay. it is the largest city in michigan uh, second largest city in michigan with the largest muslim population in the united states per capita it right. has muslim boards of uh directors it has got like a uh, mayor everything um to the point that they were able as a community to outlaw the uh the pride flag it's not allowed in their city oh yeah well completely. italy did that too right. the whole nation of italy Right. So isn't that crazy, though, that like so the, the these Muslim individuals got together and said, look, we are going to do this our way. It's our city. Yeah. And yet we don't have that. And there's some kind of there's some kind of uh, um, pushback on, on on us as Christians where um, we don't like like John Piper. We don't want that for some reason. Right. We we don't want to be completely set. And I don't I, it has to deal with our eschatology. Um because I, I, I don't know why we wouldn't want, a, you know, an actual a regenerate believer as the mayor, city council, 
individuals in, in like the city following Even depending on i mean what eschatology wouldn't want or wouldn't advocate for having believing people in the forms of governmental office like that doesn't right. compute to me i can't right, think well, of one yeah well and i don't think that we should just say because i mean i i do agree more with john MacArthur on a lot of things but i i don't see the argument that you know we lose down here so why try uh as right. feasible because you know, I feel like that's the same kind of argumentation that atheists use when they question Christians about praying. You know, they say, well, if God knows everything that's going to happen, why pray? You know, well, you know, it's kind of it's kind of the same principle. You know, well, if well, you, it, it, that's actually right. exactly the same, James, because right. you could say God uses me as a means at which to. Right. Like, he allows me to participate in his sovereignty. Same thing. Yeah. That the, the tribulation. Right would allow us to participate in the bringing forth God's glory through saving uh, many more people than if there wasn't a tribulation. No, I agree. Uh, yeah, right? and so and and so I'm I'm saying the same thing too. You know, I I think that we shouldn't just say, oh well, if we lose down here, then why try? You know, I think it, right. if if even if it is the case that we do lose down here, well, I mean, I think that should be even more, uh, you know, more emphasis on us trying all the more. You post trip. Um, you I'm pre, not, you, you're pre-mail, aren't you? I don't know. <laughs> I can't lie to you. I don't know. I don't know we where I stand. change your mind. <laughs> we, can't we, we can't do it. Yeah. We can't change your mind. <laughs> um, so I want to address, uh, Logan Aiken's question and Hey Logan, thank you for watching. I, uh, I don't know if you're a new time, uh, first time watcher or not, but thank you for uh, tuning in. Um, he says, uh, would Christian nationalism be feasible, uh, in every town? And I think that, that's the model, me, right? Let me present what I how I think it would work. I, I think ideally, yes, uh, Christian nationalism, if it is truly a move of God, and that's what God is directing us to do, then that's ultimately the goal for every town, every state, the entire nation, and then the entire world. Um, however, uh, it would not initially start that way. Uh, and I think that there are talks and conversations right now among leaders in this movement who are saying things like, um, you know, we have to be very clear on, um, you know, we allow other expressions of, of thought. We, we still believe in free speech. Uh, we believe in a free exchange of ideas. Uh, you can worship um you know, I've even heard some say, you know, they can set up their synagogues, they can set up their places of worship, but those those places of worship do not have an impact on the law of the land. So it's, you still give people the freedom to worship. But I, I think ultimately, here's here's what I speculate would happen if if a, if a town begins doing this uh, over the course of probably 10 years would be a good gauge to, to check their economy, to check their growth. To look at birth rates, look at you know production and and, and um, agriculture, however they end up working it, I think ten years would be a good gauge. And then what I think would happen was you would see other other towns um, beginning to see what works. All of a sudden, oh, this town that's a Christian town uh, is prosperous. It's safe. Uh, it is, uh, it's, it's bountiful in the sense, like it, it just, you, there's this sense of, of holy ground and sacred space in this town where Christ is glorified and worship. And I think that that would draw the interest of other people to say, why can't we have that in our town? 
Uh, and then they then their leaders come and confer, and then it becomes like, oh, well, we can do this too. And then it begins to spread, just like the gospel should anyway. But it all has to be rooted upon the sovereignty of God, the lordship of Jesus Christ. Um, and, and there have to be, I think, laid out some very um, particular documents upon what things are essential for the belief for, you know, as a Christian, what are essential doctrines, essential beliefs? Uh, and then uh, we have to have a subset of secondary tertiary issues um, that are, um, you know, dis agreed to disagree upon in certain areas. Yeah. So like there's a reason it's Christy or what, what Doug Wilson describes it as Christendom 2.0, right? Because at one point it was a Christian uh, empire, right? Absolutely. The Catholic Church kind of dominated the West. So, and if you did anything outside of that, you you were punished for it, right? And they, I mean, they would torture and kill uh, people for certain actions. Right. And the reason for that wasn't because that they were barbarians about it. It's because they genuinely believe people are going to hell, right? So they use that as a means or as a tool to say, hey, you have this last chance to, you know, make right with your maker, um, to get right with him. In order to, uh, before you know, you you meet him uh, in 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 pre in his presence, right? Um, problem is, is that's not how the Holy Spirit works, right? He he doesn't re just regenerate you because oh, I'm being tortured. I want to go ahead and say I'm sorry and I'm going to fix things. That's that's not how this works. Um, so the whole two point Christian Christendom 2.0 is taking all of the good, recognizing the really bad, like I don't know the Spanish in Spanish Inquisition, and we just fix it and try it again but better uh, that's going to take a lot of work yeah well, can, I, can i pose a question to all this too because uh if that's okay yeah please because because and i'm in a full-on agreement with this um I'm, I'm on i'm on i'm on the side of the lord here you know with you guys um but i can already hear the voices and, and I've, I've already seen some of the people posing the questions you know how do we respond to the people that say, oh, well, this is just, you know, it's, it's fascism. It's, it's Christian communism. It's, you know, it, it, it's just Christians wanting to control and oppress, you know, like, uh, and, and I guess I have my idea, but I guess just, you know, how would, how would we respond to this as, as a body? So I, I've been struggling with this, right? So it's part of me wants to give people the freedom, right. To, to have that exchange of ideas. Um, but not at the expense of a nation getting to where we just got to. Yeah. Right. Um, so there, there's, there, there is some beauty in having that exchange of ideas, but not if it corrupts us to the point that we don't even believe in God anymore. Mm, yeah. Right. Um, and I think the answer to that is like, okay, so call us fascists. That's fine. That doesn't bother me if I, cause I like, I'm convinced that Jesus rose from the grave. I'm absolutely convinced. I believe God is Christ is on the throne, right? That God is completely sovereign, and I have a duty to be obedient and worship Him. And part of that is making sure that the nation does so as well. So if that's fascism, that's fine as long as you know if you're if you're mad at me, James, the whole way through. But I'm just dragging you along, and finally, there's this moment of regeneration where you're like, "Why did I fight so hard?" Yeah, and you accept Christ into your life. I mean, that was worth every it's bit good. of that. Yeah. And, right? and I it would, was worth every bit of that. I would add a spiritual element to that too, man. I think the, the forces of darkness very much 
will say those things. Yeah. I think that the I think the enemy is 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 rampant. I think uh, the religion of of pride is far more than just homosexuality. It's it's a it really is a celebration of sin as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think the enemy um, has been very vocal lately. And so yeah, naturally um, those people that are oppressed and influenced by Satan and and the rest of the demons out there, the principalities, the spiritual forces of wickedness in high places, like, um, yeah, those people are going to be opposed to this. And and really, um, this this could come down to being a, a new civil war type situation. Um, but, you know, from the Christian nationalist perspective, I think um, I think it needs to be in more of a defensive position. Uh, and and not a uh, an offensive position. So Amen. Uh, we we protect the values, we protect the word, we protect the people that God has protected uh, has commissioned us to protect. Um, but uh, ultimately, you know, this the battle of Armageddon is is very clear in in Scripture that the that the forces of the world are going to rise up against God. Yeah. And I believe even even in the post-millennial view, I believe that that is true. I think that that'll be the final culmination uh, of the forces of evil before Christ returns. And but we quickly may... squashed. Yeah, it, quickly. It, and it will be. But look, things are not as bad on earth as they were in you know the first century. Yeah. Um, and so we have to remember that, that, that even though it's in our faces as evil and bad, things are not as evil per capita as they used to be so there is a suppression of evil that's happened i think i think america's founding was a giant suppression of evil um the idea of christian states and and christian colonies that came together to serve the lord freely um, was a major suppression of evil and this is evil's final attempt to to try to get that territory back and I don't yeah. think, that, and, and they're not going to win. Like, no matter what eschatology you believe, Satan doesn't win. Yeah. Satan doesn't win at all. So yeah. it's like, <laughs> oh, we do win. Yeah, I agree. You, yeah. So, and, and James, I want to hear your thought because you said you have your own answer that, and you wanted to hear ours. Um, yeah. But it, think, think of this, right? So, um, so fascism, right? It's a bad word, right? We yeah. don't, we don't like fascism in the West. Um, the, the meek will inherit the earth. The first will become last. The last will become first. And, and even the cross itself, right? Jesus. So, for example, Jesus washes the disciples' feet, right? That's servant leadership. The cross itself, which was a crucifixion device, because of Christ becomes a symbol of hope. Right? It's no longer a symbol of destruction and death, but a, a symbol of hope. Right? So when, when Christ is involved in anything, whatever whatever negative connotation is assigned to it is completely flipped on its head right yeah jesus fascism is different than <laughs> i don't know secular fascism marxism <laughs> right yeah uh, but yeah how would you respond to that right you just want fascism you just or this is fascist and you you just you, know, you just want to tell me how to think and what to do with my body yeah no yeah you know i would my response to that would be um very much in line with with uh, a lot of what you explained just now and that, you know, a lot of what people would say is fascism or is evil or controlling or restricting about God and his laws is really freedom. It, it's love. And, and, and love, true love 
uh, is God's love and what he describes in his word is love. Love is not love. Uh, God is love. Right. And, um, you know, I, I, when, when talking about this, I, I always remember something that Paul Washer said. I don't remember what sermon it was in, but he was talking about when he, he, he met with a board of pastors and he was talking about God's law and just how beautiful it was and how we should continue to implement these things. And, and I don't remember exactly the context. I don't know if it was Christian nationalism, but I just, I feel like it applies. So I remember this. And, and one of the pastors kind of rebuttaled and he, and he said from across the table, you know, he was like, don't you feel like this is just so restrictive? Like always talking about God's law, always, always wanting to, you know, present God's law to people as to how to live. And then Paul Washer responds. He says, okay, I'm going to start with the 10 commandments and I'm going to go through the list of laws. And you stop me when you took, when, when, when I list a law that is restricting you, mm. that is controlling you um, or is causing you to do something that would otherwise be harmful to your life. Mm. And, you know, Paul Washer goes on to explain how he's explaining the laws and the guy kind of just like subtly and silently slumps down. And <laughs> <laughs> All right. I get it. You know, it's like, but, but I, I kind of respond with that answer because that's truly what it is, is God's law really isn't harmful for your life. It's not destructive. It's not controlling. It is restrictive in the sense that it restricts us from doing things that our naturally wicked hearts want to do. Um, But that's the truth we need to give to people uh, is that, and and I think uh, many Christians, and, and I'm not exempt from this. I fail too, but many Christians are afraid to tell someone up front, like, Hey, um, your heart, my heart, all of our hearts, we're are naturally wicked. You know, the reason God has these laws is because we're not good. And he is. And that's why, and then, you know, that's why we need the gospel. That is why we need to believe in Jesus Christ who died on the cross, who, who lived a sinless life, died on the cross, was buried and rose on the third day, uh, ascended, at the right, ascend, ascended to the right hand of the Father and is awaiting the day of judgment. And, you know, I always lead, I always end with that and lead into the fact that, you know, this is, why I, I want you to believe too, because I want to see you in heaven with the Father. Um, and part of that means being saved now and living according to his law. And you might feel like it's restricting you from doing the things you desire to do now, but it's not restricting in the sense that it's bad or harmful for you. God isn't an egotistical, abusive controller. Um, you know, it's not an abusive relationship. God wants what's best for us. Um, obviously not now prosperity gospel sense but he he wants what's best for us yeah i'm getting i'm getting i'm getting my mercedes bro yeah god wants me to god wants me to have a mansion with a big pool so so see so uh, so this is going into c.s lewis but like so we will receive true freedom by becoming slaves of christ yeah right there's that there's that flipping it on its head right by becoming a slave i become free the best joy the greatest uh um uh, just awe that I can have the greatest, anything I can have in this world is centered through Christ, right? As long as he is, um, as John Piper would say, being a Christian hedonist, right? Yeah. Uh, everything, everything joyful is actually centered through him. So when we put something else in his place, it actually robs us of that joy. Yeah. Um, so C.S. Lewis, so he says, our desires are not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition, 
uh, when uh, infinite joy is off is offered us, right? Like an er- uh, like an arrogant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what it meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are too easily pleased, right? So we want to play in the mud, not even realizing that God is offering us a vacation, like by the beach, right? So we'll just keep playing in this thinking this is what i need because it's it's quick it's easy it's pleasing to the flesh meanwhile we're missing out on the entire joys of actually being in his presence being in line with uh with his desires for us yeah well and the more that you know the more the closer you get to the lord the more you just grow in appreciation for this experience and um I don't know. You get to you see the picture. You you see a bigger picture of mm. what God is doing, and so it. Yeah. Yes, it can make you feel really small, and it should because the world really doesn't revolve around us individually. Right. It's very hard for us to to come out of that and to to grasp it. But God's story uh, is is just it's utterly fascinating. I mean, there's so much mystery. And there's so much wonder, um, and I think maybe some. I think some of our churches have have lost a little bit of that wonder of God, like His, the, the marvelous aspects of Him that we read about in the you know the psalmists that are writing um, these you know beautiful expositions of how they view God and and how much wonder He brings to them, and and they sit and they ponder the things of God. They ponder on the truths of his law. I mean, David says, I delight, I delight in the law of the Lord. Um, And so like, I feel like the church doesn't really do a good enough job, or at least the churches that I've been in and seen um, instilling that sense of wonder and then pointing in the direction of where to find the answers to that. It's like, and I think, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, bro, I've been to churches that have never preached out of the old Testament. Sure. Sure. Not once, like it's from the, the from the dawn of the church's like beginning to then, never has actually yeah. gone into the Old Testament. I've been to a church they, one time that said that you don't need to preach out of the Old Testament, and then the pastor's son came up to give a scripture for tithes and preached out of Psalms. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, that just was fun. Ignore did the you man know? behind did the Did you curtain. know you did that? Yeah. Um, but no, that that I think the sense of wonder kind of segues into what I wanted to to talk to you about, Logan. Uh, and, and James as well. Um, there's this podcast that I've been listening to that has really um, just been, it's been such a blessing because it has revealed some of the wonders of God uh, in, in the supernatural realm. Now you guys, obviously Logan, you know, I'm a, a huge fan of Michael Heiser and the supernatural, mm-hmm. the unseen realm, all of that. Like I love, I love that. Um, I can't I, stand him. Rest in peace. Yeah, sure. So uh, this pot, this podcast I've been listening to is called the Haunted Cosmos, mm-hmm. and it's um, it's a pastor and one of his deacons that runs the show, and it's audio only, but mm-hmm. they tell stories and they 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 discuss um, these well documented supernatural events from Uh-oh. a biblical perspective. So they kind of lead off with. One of their episodes is about the Watchers and the Nephilim and the, you know, the fallen angels. Uh, then they talk about AI in that episode. They talk about AI, like 
demonic influence in in the internet space because it is a space it's a it's it, it exists more in the ethereal realm or the cloud but it's still it is still a space in which it's people interact space. and so you know yeah potential demonic activity through the internet and through ai um they've discussed sleep paralysis they've been mm -hmm. doing a three-part on the Skinwalker Ranch that is in Utah that has a ton of paranormal activity, a lot of um, uh, witchcraft and demonic, like uh, pagan rituals and sacrifices and curses. So, and so I, have, I have a question for that. Is a, yeah. it, it sounds like, and I, and I don't mean to interrupt, I just, I, I'm curious. It sounds kind of like um, Apology Hill Studios has cultish. Is it kind of like that or is it more? Well, yeah, I mean, the the cultish, like I think, does more of, like, investigations of okay. various, like, um, non-reputable cults no, and, and Non-orthodoxy. Yeah. Um, okay. So it's not so much that. It really is, like, it's taking a... It's taking a uh, a biblical perspective and, mm. and and that type of lens look at these paranormal activities. And let me just share something with you, and some of the viewers may like it too. Kind of a, an interesting thought experiment, a little bit. But so the idea that is presented in the Bible uh, through Daniel seven, through uh, Psalm eighty two, uh, is um, Daniel mentions uh, in one of his visions or one of his dreams that uh, he uh, meets these this group of angelic beings called the Watchers, mm -hmm. um, which seems to be uh, in the hierarchy of God's created angelic beings that live in the heavens and that kind of operate in a realm that is not on Earth, right? Like Earth is the human realm, there's a spiritual realm, and then there's the realm that God dwells. So, um, so the Watchers are introduced in the Book of Daniel. Um, and then they're kind of emphasized more if, in extra biblical literature, like the first book of Enoch. Uh, he kind of ex expounds a little bit more on what the second uh, second temple Jewish thought would have been on the watchers and the angelic. And so um, cool. and so the idea, the, you know, it goes back to Genesis six, where the son, the sons of God saw the daughters of man to be attractive um, you know, I take the I take the literal reading view that there were actual sexual relations between angels and humans and that they that they birthed giants, uh, some sort of a hybrid. Um, but the argument that they made in this podcast or one of the podcasts I was listening to is that um, so these beings in, in the book of Jude and in the book of first Peter, um, they both make mention that, th that some of these beings that sinned against God were put in chains into the earth um, and they were they were chained in gloomy darkness in the center of the earth. And that what we would consider a no through um, Jewish history as Sheol, they're down in Sheol in a chasm somewhere that God has locked them away. But it doesn't say that all of them were locked away. And from what we can read through, say, like Enoch, uh, there were probably about 200 of these watchers. And so. And they all rebelled against God and said, basically, you know, we can do this on our, you know, we can make people too. We can do this. We can create all this stuff. So um, they brought up a, a good point that, you know, most alien abduction stories, if you listen to what people say during these alien abduction stories, most of them will say that these aliens are trying to do experiments in order to make alien human hybrids. Mm. Like, 
And so the 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 idea from a spiritual lens and from a, a, a mostly biblical lens, I would say, is that the, these aren't UFOs and extraterrestrials or aliens at all. But these are mm-hmm. these are still fallen watchers that are still mm-hmm. on the earth that that have that are have yet to be destroyed, and uh, they are still conducting. Um, type of breeding type of experiments on human beings. We call them extraterrestrials, but it's demons. Yeah. Well, I, I hate to say it, but I definitely go in here in a second, but um, I do, I do want to play devil's advocate here. Do you think yeah. that means, do you think that makes way for the argument of not being able to leave the earth or anything being able to enter therein? Uh, you mean like the you, flat earth theory? Uh, I don't think that, I, I think usually those are tied in together, but I'm not necessarily asking about flat earth. I'm just, mm. I know there's a lot of people that they still believe that earth is spherical, but you just can't leave it. We can't leave it or we can't get out of it because of the firmament. Well, I think what, whatever, whatever the truth is about the earth and the atmosphere and everything else, I, I think that the biblical idea is that there is a bridge between where God is and, and where we are on earth. Uh, the Garden of Eden was was going to be that place that was going to mm-hmm. be the the high temple of the first you know priest Adam, uh, and so that would have been where where God and man had interacted. Uh, but I think in Scripture, you know, we see that we in the, in the Bible that Enoch was caught up to be with God. Um, it it does seem that there. Uh, I think even Paul makes mention that he was caught up to the third heaven. Yeah. Uh, and was given a vision. And so it seems to me that perhaps our flesh, uh, the way it, it currently is, is unable to to traverse between here and, and heaven. But I think our soul can. And I think God has allowed some of the saints to to see heaven uh, for a brief moment, even though mm. their bodies were here on Earth. Mm. OK, cool. That makes sense. Yeah, makes sense. All right. Cool. Yeah. I got a. I got a lot. Of, I got another cool theory I'd like to share with you guys, uh, if uh, if you got time. Yeah, James, I got a second. James, you can't leave the earth, man. Uh, yeah. Were you trying to leave the earth from this podcast? I'm sorry, man. It's I, not that I, bad. I was trying to jump really high and land on the yeah. moon. Yeah. Have a, a rapture ejection seat nah. in your car. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So here's here's theory number two. Throat. I'm gonna hear what you guys think about this. So, you know that God has promised He's never gonna flood the earth again. Right yeah. with water, so we have the the the, the bow in the sky to, to give us the sign that God will never flood the earth. Okay, so there has been recently a discovery. Have you guys heard of this uh, this discovery called primary water? I've heard of it. I don't know what it is though. Yeah, okay. so basically, it's water that is so it's weird. It's healing people, and it's from the depths of the ocean, right? No, like it's it's oh. Okay. Uh, so, <laughs> maybe, maybe so connected, a, sounds interesting. They maybe, found a lake under the ocean. Sure. That, well, that may be related. I did hear about that. Yes. That, that may be related, but that, uh, so primary water is basically this discovery that um, we are still, as humans, we're still discovering fresh springs of water on the Earth. All right. Okay. And so, uh, you know, most people think that when it comes to the water, you know, we have the 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 cycle of water, steam, vapor. You know, it kind of all recycles. The ocean rises, steam, it gets in the clouds, then it falls down and it comes back. So, you know, in some senses, you could you could make the argument or at least used to be able to make the argument that we're all just drinking the same water same that has been drank yeah. for millions and millions of years. Well, scientists are discovering that there are these these n- new springs that are being discovered and popping up. 
And when they test them, they are not being tested with any of the other material that would be found in the normal recycled water. So hmm. uh, some are theorizing, and as a Christian, I, I might even say from a biblical worldview that that God has sufficiently provided all of the resources on earth for it to sustain itself and that some of this that the earth may actually be creating new water for out of something uh that has not been um you know previously experienced so um but in that there's this there's there's more to this so um as these new springs are coming up, you remember in the in the flood story that the it says that the springs of the deep opened up, and then, and then the waters in the air yeah. came down, right? So there yeah. was two things causing this flood or impacting the flood. There was the rainwater, and then there was water coming up from the from the ground. And so um, the idea or the theory is that there's all of this water that's enough to to sustain Earth for all of its time, but underneath those layers of water what is there like what do we know through science is in the core of the earth the lava, mantle the uh, mantle yeah yeah lava magma molten magma rock, right, yeah. right molten rock so when mantle when second peter when peter in second peter says what the what the earth is going to be destroyed by this the the final time what is it he says it's going to be destroyed fire. by fire right fire. so it's interesting the the use of the flood in the coming of the son of man both jesus's account and peter's account that the uh that they reference the flood then peter comes and says it's going to be burnt up by fire what if those springs and wells in the center of the earth came out like they did during the flood but the flood was not water the flood was magma. Magma. That would be fire. That would be destroyed by fire. The earth itself would be destroyed right. by what is in the inside of the earth. But even more fascinating after that is what happens after magma comes and cools and it makes its own little island? What do you see flourish? What do you see happen to those islands that come out of nowhere? And they were moss. They become paradises. Yeah. They end up flourishing because the soils are so rich. They're so full of nutrients that they end up bringing forth far beyond what our normal soil would bring. So what if the Lord destroys the earth the second time by a flood of lava, which would be fire, which would destroy all the foundations of the earth, but then would bring about the app the actual paradise that god has promised because that you know think hawaii forever sort of kind of deal you post like mills overthinking post mills yeah <laughs> no a, yeah <laughs> it's a good it's a good place to be yeah it's so positive here it's the wonder no, I, dude i'm telling you it's the wonder of the things of god like why don't we yeah. think about these things no, yeah, yeah. we're gonna the, die by lava post <laughs> It's so so glorious that we all die by getting flooded. <laughs> well, I don't think we will. I think all those. I think all the believers will be taken up. I think yeah. we'll meet Christ in the air. We're gonna be raptured. I think that's what the actual rapture is. I don't think it's gonna be. You're half um, rapture. What is that? What is that? Uh. Well, so so there's there's this this um this this thing that used to happen historically, um when a a king would be would be moving into a new territory that he owned. 
the people of that town that were being overcome or that were welcoming back their king would meet him outside of the gates of his of his village of his new town and the people that were coming with him as to occupy would come with him but the people in the town would meet him out there and they would come and enter the town together and then they would establish the throne of the king and so i think the rapture would very very much be something along the lines of uh god of of those that are currently on the earth um that as the lord is coming back are meet him in the air as he returns i don't know what the timeline would look like but i think it happens at the same time we meet him in the air as he comes to occupy and take up his throne on earth with the rest of the believing saints so I do think that there's room for a rapture. I just don't think it's what people say it is. I can get with that. Okay. Ryan says hi and goodbye. Nice. <laughs> oh, hello. Okay. Hello, Taylor. Well, if you need to go, James, you are uh, welcome to go. I don't know if you – did you say you had to, to leave? Yeah, Army's calling. Um, All right. But, uh, yeah, one day – what, What's your MLS? What do you do? Who are you? I'm 91 Bravo. Uh, okay. small wheeled vehicle mechanic. So, mm-hmm. um, I went, Where you airborne, at? I went airborne in AIT and got put in 10th group at Fort Carson. So it's kind of nice, but, um, I'm not special forces. I'm just special forces support. Yep. Yeah. Nice. Pretty so you're with 10, you're with 10th group. Uh, are you, are, I mean, I bet you're enjoying Carson, man. I love it. wish I could have gone to WCAP. It was one of the, my dreams. Um, yeah. but how long, are you, how long are you at Carson? You know? Uh, yeah, so I've been here almost two years. It'll be two years in October. Well, no, I'm sorry. It'll be two years total in the Army. Um, I I can't do the math right now, but I'm here till 2025. Um, and then my contract is up, and then um, Drew and I have talked about it. I'm going to go ahead and ETS or the, get out of the Army um, in 2025. And, you know, we're going to – wife and I are going to move back to Texas where, you know, the great homeland. Nice. Um, Texas needs to secede, uh, but uh, I didn't say that. that. I didn't say that. That's the promised uh, land. That's where <laughs> there's no lava. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that God blessed Texas with His own hands. I think yes. that lava's coming, no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> Milk and honey and cowboys. No, uh, right. and, and uh, so we're gonna move there, and and I'll, I'll pick up some type of job, uh, probably looking at peace officer over there. I'd, I'd like to do that, and then go into seminary to pursue pastoral leadership. Yeah. So, yeah. It's awesome, man. Do, do seminary now. Do your schooling now while you're in. Yeah. Highly well, recommend it. So the reason why we want to wait is because we have a church back home in Texas. It's a uh, founders Baptist and they have the expositors program. Um, I think uh, George, George Zimmick was one of the founders of it. Okay. Uh, my pastor here is actually good friends with him was before he passed. And uh, yeah, he highly recommends it. And I was going to seminary at the church I'm at now, but we're switching churches for um, just more community and more people our age, more people that are married and have kids that we can, we don't have kids yet, but we will eventually, you know, more people we can fellowship with. Um, and um, our church right now is, it's great. Great pastor, great. love the doctrine, no problem with the worship. You know, we sing hymns and I love it. Um, but my wife was like, hey, I have no friends. I don't have anybody here my age and like yeah. people we can fellowship with. And I talked to, I talked to, we're going to talk to my pastor about it, but I talked to another Christian buddy of mine and he said, you know, you, your family is your first and foremost ministry, which I highly agree with. And he said, you need to do what's best for your family. 
um, first and foremost, because the uh, a God-centered family is one of the most, if not the most impactful um, nucleus, you know, that, that there is yeah. uh, in the world. And, and so you need to do what's best for your family. That's, it's not just what you think is best or your wife's think is best, but it's what objectively is best uh, according to God's will. You know, the most godly decision for you guys. And if that means moving to a church where there's more fellowship and both of you are going to be edified and, and built up in a way that you can really benefit the church um, and be able to actually, you know, if it, if it really just benefits your lives in an all around godly way, then you do that. I was like, okay. <laughs> By the way, Logan, that's the right James, answer, though. James met his wife on TikTok. That's I, yeah. I wanted to be able to get into that if we if we had time, but we'll have, maybe have to do it on a, a future show or some. Yeah. Met my wife on Tinder, so <laughs> that's funny. We've we've yeah. been happy. It's not very Christian of you, Logan. Yeah, grinder. Yeah, happy Pride Month. <laughs> <laughs> way to go it ain't over yet yeah okay yeah <laughs> way to go rainbow that's good i love it but, yeah thanks All for right. having me on guys and yeah uh, man good maybe, to have a good good conversation i want to hear maybe, your story you have to come back yeah if you guys are cool with it i can do next week i'm free on wednesday so two weeks whenever. every two weeks every two weeks yeah whenever i'm always available Shoot All right. i might get somebody more important next the next time we do this more, but, more interesting you know, if well no no you're very interesting you're just <laughs> no, not as important no. So, <laughs> yeah. well, so so next week is Doug Wilson followed by uh, oh, wow. Ben Shapiro, and then and then we can and have then, you back on. And then Donald Trump, and then Ron DeSantis. No, oh, uh, uh, in August, we Jesus himself is going to make a guest. Yes. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, we're we're two or three are gathered in his name. You know? He's in the midst. Hey, there you go. Uh, so. I, I I heard Paul might be on here one day. You know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Imagine, look. I know that God gives us skills and things that we enjoy on the earth for, for eternal purposes. Uh, if there are opportunities to run podcasts in heaven so that the rest of us can oh, yeah. learn about the various saints and, and ask them questions, I will volunteer to, to be the guy. To, All right. To you're officially the, the guy. Yeah. Welcome back to Paul today, where we ask Paul about his daily yeah, life. Yeah, we just we just talk about Paul <laughs> today. Today, I want to I want to flame you on Romans seven. What's going on, man? Yeah, yeah, right, right. Like, tell <laughs> what me about is, COVID. What Paul. was what in your you... side? What was what the form? Was it? What yeah. is it? I heard What's I heard a good I heard a good argument that that was actually Paul's eyesight. I've heard that uh, too. So yeah, I think it's I think it's pretty solid. Cat, get! Oh my gosh, my cat is going to, <laughs> dude. Why? Oh, fat cat. Oh, look at her. Him, her. They, it's them, Zazer. It's Eddie Brock. Oh, okay. Nice. He's down. Awesome. He's gone now. All awesome. right, man. Well, we can let you go, and then we'll go ahead and close out the show. Sure, uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, you can go ahead and take off so you don't uh, get in trouble with your with your unit. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, yeah, again, thanks for having me on, guys. And uh, yeah, brother. next time, I'll, uh, All right. I'll be waiting after Jesus shows up. All right, bro. <laughs> All right. Talk to you later. We'll see you. See you. All right. See you. Bye. That's All right. Good, man. I like. Yeah. Good. Good, good stuff. Good conversation. I think that was uh, that was nice to. He came in kind of at the right time too. So. Um, Met his wife on TikTok. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. kind of. So, I saw the process. It was pretty cool. Yeah, and I think most people. Oh, so you were okay. Cool. Um, so most people um, are actually finding. There's significant others online now. Yeah. Right. I met my wife um, online. Yeah. 
Um, 21 years so, ago. So you were like the Atari version of dude, yeah, what the he, what OG he did. of the online dating community, man. <laughs> I was so deep. I was so deep in that oh, online yeah, dating. I was, in it. <laughs> I was on AOL. It was man. so. It, I was so hipster <laughs> about it. It was before even online dating. I have questions for Rachel. Oh so. yeah, I am sure most people should <laughs> be being married to me. I imagine she does. Did Drew yeah. have hair? Did he have hair back then? Oh, I did, dude. I had. I, I should. I'll have to. Uh, I'll send you some pics nice. from when Rachel and I were first married. But yeah, I, I absolutely did. In fact, hang on a second. I might. I may have some on here that I can share before we get off. Uh... Nice. While he looks that up. Um, yes. I've been bald before. You've tried been bald before. I've tried to rock it. I tried nice. to rock the bald head. Did not work out. My head is shaped weird. You got a pretty circular dome, my friend. Yeah, no, it's pretty good. Yeah, I would. <laughs> it's I would pretty agree. solid. It's pretty solid. Mine is um, not. I think that that's what helps my baldness is you know it, it's less offensive to people when they see that my head makes sense. Like it's circular. It, it doesn't offend. Yeah, I don't have like bumps in it. It's not like pointy. You know, I've seen some people's heads. That, I can just see offensive. myself bald again and just be like, your bald head is really offending me. <laughs> I know. I'd probably be like, dude, let's grow that hair back out. Like the Lord gave you a solid head of hair for a reason. Yeah. To cover that up. That's I'm looking awesome. through some of these old pictures. I don't think I have anything in here right now, but man, I'll have to find one. And send it to you, or I'll save it for the next time that we uh, do the show. But yeah, it's in it's in there somewhere. There is a picture of me with hair uh, when I first. Actually, in fact, the the very first picture that Rachel and I took, professional photo we took together. Um, we weren't married yet. This was the first time that she had come to meet me, and um, both of us look so different in that picture that we've had some. Well, I, I guess I look similar enough. But Rachel looks so different that somebody thought that I had a, a photo, a framed photo of an ex-wife in my house. Because wow. it looks so different from how, like. How different? Look, like Joe Biden 1990s versus Joe Biden. Yeah, now. like the earlobe. You know, yeah. <laughs> the earlobes that are that different. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't think it's that different, but at least people that don't know Rachel or at least haven't known her all of her life, uh, it's different enough. So um, I'll try to find that picture one of these days. But uh, uh, yeah, I guess, uh, I mean, I feel bad we haven't really talked about the mandates. Uh, did you have any thoughts on that? I, I, so I had sent Logan a podcast um, that was done between um, uh, Pastor Chase Davis and then uh, a Christian lawyer who has uh, previously served as a judge advocates general in the Air Force, uh, but he now works in a private practice and he represents... Um, uh, a lot of military members and yeah, he's been overwhelmed uh, with representation since the mandates of the COVID vaccine. And so Logan, I got to say, like, I know that you were kind of, you were going through more of your chaplaincy stuff um, at that time when you were getting out. So you probably were focused a lot on that, but do you, um, did you see any of that? Like while you were still in about the yeah, pushing they, of the vaccine? They, they almost, so I was a part of the DOD skilled bridge program, which allows service members to spend their last six months right. up to 180 days. Right. Uh, depending on your commands, uh, um, 
needs, they, they don't have to give you the full six months. Uh, I was awarded 180 days, so 170 because I needed 10 days to clear post. So my last 170 days was spent at a church interning uh, as an assistant pastor or as a intern pastor is what it was. Um, in that time frame, I had escaped the vaccine mandate because it came out after I left. I got a call that said, hey, you need to go to your local Walgreens, CVS, doctor's office, get the vaccine, send us paperwork that you got it. Um, and then, you know, you'll be good to go. So, you know, I filed for a uh, religious exemption uh, because of the uh, fetal cells that were being used as a study for it. I didn't want to promote any of that. Um, I have a I take a very strong, strong stance against abortion. Um and I was, I basically finally got to the point where one call was made between me, one of, the, one of the greatest majors I've ever served under in the United States Army, and then the battalion XO, who was also a major. So I had a major who was in charge of me, and then a major that was the XO. Um, and they're trying to just kind of get everything squared away. One of them is trying to get my name off the roster of people who haven't been vaccinated. Uh, the other one is just trying to keep peace. Yeah. Right. And on this three-way call, I expressed, I was like, I'm not doing it. Um, I don't want it. I shouldn't have to take something I don't want that I, that I, uh, have filed paperwork that I'm against and I'm not yeah. going to. Yeah. Um, and so I, I did everything that the army asked me to do in order to avoid getting the mandate. Um, and every time the army kept just pushing back and saying, not enough, not enough, not enough. Right. Um, and that, man, uh, this major that I was under, who was, you know, just a wonderful guy was like, Logan, they are going to take your skill bridge away from you. This was a blessing. I advocated for you to have this. I advocated for this internship mm -hmm. for the full 170 days. And I don't want this taken away from you because of a shot. And I said, I don't know what to tell you, but I know I am not taking this shot. I, I, it, is, it goes against everything inside of me. Um, not because I was against the vaccine, not because I was scared or any kind of fear that um, I was taking a political stance. Deep in my soul, it was as if the Lord was saying, do not touch that. Mm. Um, and, I, and I don't mean to get all like word of faithy on it, but it was... Uh, you just know when, when I, I just, you just know. man, I, I've had convictions in my life before where I knew I messed up. Mm -hmm. It's like, it were, dude, dude, the other day I made a joke that was very inappropriate and the Lord mm. convicted me on the spot and said, we do not act like that. Yeah, wow. We do not do that. And I was like, whoa, um, that was wrong. Right. Yeah. Um, the same, similar thing. And I said, you know what, Lord, I'm, I'm going to follow the laws of my land. All right. I'm going to do what I need to do. Uh, to keep my internship, this is a blessing for me and my family. I need you to step in and take care of this, or I will be putting this, you know, this COVID vaccine in my body, which I don't want. Um, so please step in my way, step in the way of the army. Well, my paperwork got lost, got held up, got uh, <laughs> vanished, came back. My name came off the roster, went back on the roster. Things. Wow. Uh, from my understanding, got all mixed up, and somehow through all that confusion, I walked out without requiring, uh, being required of uh, the vaccine 
uh, being mandated. It wasn't no long. It was not. A, it was still mandated, but I didn't have to get it. And right. at the same time, got to keep my internship, which Praise is uh, an amazing uh, experience. So yeah, that's really a that's a testimony, man. Yeah. Uh, I I'm very grateful every day that I did not have to go through that. Uh, I retired in November of 2019. That was my ceremony, and I officially was out January 31st of 2021 or 2020. So um, it uh, when by the time that they were having those conversations, you know, my paperwork was finished and finalized. My VA stuff had been complete. Um, yeah, COVID hadn't even happened yet. Yeah, yeah, not not the not not at the the level. I mean, 2021 was a real bad year. Uh, I think, and that's where the tens of thousands of military members, you know, were removed. And now they've all joined in these class action lawsuits. And um, I just think, you know, like I was in a very weak mental state. I, I had just quit drinking at the end of my uh, Navy career. You know, I finally got sober, realized that I was an alcoholic. Uh, there was so much PTSD healing, like just dude. So like, I think back, like, Things that I never even addressed, like my deployments to Guantanamo Bay, um, the amount of stress that I was under. I remember I was telling Rachel about this and I had forgotten it for many years, but I remember having just recurring nightmares of getting slaughtered in the detention camps um, because the amount of stress and pressure that was on us to, you know, it's like they they work this whole thing up you think you're going into you know the death zone like running man or something you know like you're just mm -hmm. on your own and um and you know they tell you stories about detainees trying to stab people and all this other stuff so you just i i didn't know what i was going into i wasn't spiritually prepared for a lot of that and i think i took on a lot of stress uh and if i trace back like the the beginning of my anxiety and the beginning yeah. of of my depression it probably started around 2005 when i went to guantanamo bay the first time and then i was able to suppress a lot of that for many years I focused on work drank a lot you know suppressed it through alcohol all that stuff but uh coming out of yeah. all of that you know joining civilian life um i mean that was tough but dude if i had to go through like standing up on my convictions uh, against the vaccine and against wanting to get it. Um, I just didn't, it, mine wasn't about the fetal cells, although I share the same position as you. Um, my, my primary thing was, um, I don't, I, this is not tested. It's not, it's not approved. It's not, you know, it hasn't gone through trials. There hasn't enough time. Like it takes, you know, nine to 10 years for a solid vaccine to come out. I'm not anti-vax at all. Uh, yeah. Kind of Pfizer, yeah. Pfizer was making a thousand dollars a second. Yeah. Yeah. I believe a thousand dollars. Yeah. I just, I wasn't, I, you know, I wasn't ready for it. I didn't think that it was ready. And uh, my hesitation ended up being, you know, I'd say uh, valid and seeing the, the fallout of a lot of the, the stuff that's coming out of the vaccines now um, even, yeah. even just one or two reports would be enough for me to be like, eh, I don't think so. But thousands of reports, thousands of instances of people dying or having blood clots, myocarditis. My dad got the vaccine. He's got blood clots. He's never had them in the 72 years he's been alive. Never had blood clots before. I even asked him on the phone. I was like, dad, is, is anybody like speculated like where, where this came from? 
And he's like, well, it started with my, uh, he had, had an injury or something I'm like, but dad, you've never had blood clots before. Like you got, you've got vaccinated. You don't think that that's something that you should look into. He's, you know, I think he's at the point now where he's just, he's like, what he, I think, honestly, I think my dad's just waiting to die. I hate to say it. Um, because you know, it'll be hard either way, but I, I don't think that he's just ultimately has a lot of joy mm. in his life. You know, he knows the he's Lord. Just, he's just he kind knows, of living. Yeah. He knows the, the Catholic distant Jesus, but I think he still knows Jesus. I think he still loves Jesus, but you know, about as, as about as much of a, as a, a three-year-old can love their father, right? Like, you know, that they're your father, but you don't know them. You know, you don't know them right. real well. You're not old enough to understand. So I think that's where my dad's at. With the Lord. Yeah. And when I, I, I never, like I, those convictions never went away, man. And like I, I, there's a part of me that was, I felt bad that I would even consider going to the next CVS appointment to get it taken care right. of. Um, right. So I don't, I don't know, you know, how whether which one of these majors took care of me or how the Lord moved right. in their way or in, right. it moved in such a way to keep me safe mm-hmm. um, from you know, not compromising, right? Not safe from the vaccine if it is what it was, but safe from me compromising, right? And it, it really showed me to stand firm on my convictions, right? Um, yeah. I have yet to this day to ever, ever gotten COVID. I've been around people with COVID. I've never gotten it. I've been tested nice. for antibodies, don't have them. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, tested frequently for the antibodies, never had them. Um, so, I mean, I... I don't know people's experience with COVID and how severe it is, but um, many of the people that I saw that got it were like my neighbor was out golfing in his backyard just because he's like, Hey, I can't go to work for 14 days. I'm like, well, good, good for you, man. You stay over there, (laughs) you know? Uh, But so I, I mean, I know, I, I mean, it's, it's obvious that there was something that was causing a significant amount of uh, trauma and damage and sickness to people. Um, but I don't think the vaccine was the answer. Yeah. No, I agree. Man. Just sugar water. And yep. I, it's probably not, I mean, that's probably, I bet a medical person's like, you guys are idiots, but I know I, yeah, th- that's all they needed to clip is like all of the other good things that you've set up to this point. And then they're just going to clip that part. It's just sugar water. <laughs> How dare them. I don't, I don't know. But well, brother, follow, um, follow the money, right? Pfizer made a thousand dollars a second. So you've just right. follow the money. Well, let's uh, go ahead and close out. Is it my turn to share the gospel? It is. It is. All right. All right. You, um, right, you got to use dragons. Okay. That's it. That's only dragons. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, actually, I can do that. So, um, <laughs> I love you. The, uh, the great dragon, the great serpent, Satan, was integral <sighs> in the fall Good job. of mankind. Uh, which led to Adam's decision to sin against God and uh, sin and death to pass on to each one of us. Um, this is a historical fact. I believe this with all of my heart, uh, with all of my soul, Amen. with all with all of my being, uh, that uh, sin has infected all of humanity. The reason that we have the problems that we have in this world, the reason that we see evil and wickedness is a result of sin. Uh, and, uh, God has exposed our sin to us by giving us the law, which he gave to Moses uh, on Mount Sinai, uh, which uh, awakened things in us that we didn't realize were sin. 
And we realized that those, those were the better ways to live. And so God gave us that law. Uh, but knowing full well that that law was only going to demonstrate his love for us and his compassion for his creation, uh, but it was never meant to save us. It was always meant to point us to something outside of itself and outside of ourselves. Um, so in this amazing story that God has given us that he has written from the beginning of time to today, um, part of his uh desire to redeem humanity from their fallen state that was initiated by Adam uh, was to send himself in the flesh to be the final sacrifice. Uh, all of the sacrifices that had been made in the past to God were all to point to an end, a final sacrifice, a greater yeah. sacrifice that Amen. would be sufficient. And, um, you know, it's a crazy supernatural story. Um, but I believe that we, we, serve and and we're created by a supernatural god who uh, is just so much bigger than anything that we can imagine or fathom and uh the cool part about god's promise is that uh he promises us that all who believe that he sent jesus christ sent himself in the flesh to die on the cross uh, all who believe in that shall not perish but have eternal life so the sure. sin that we were born mm -hmm. into, that was a result of the fallen nature of our uh, great-grandfather, Adam, uh, permeated into our lives, and the sacrificial system was never meant to take those sins away or to deal with the, the true nature of sin, not the sins that we commit. We commit sins because of the nature of what we were born into. And so um, Christ's once-and-for-all sacrifice was that that was the atonement the at one meant between man and god uh, and god made a way where there didn't seem to be a way and because he did that those that believe in him uh, are saved and share in the inheritance that god has mm. promised all the way back to the beginning of time we share the in the inheritance of adam and eve in Amen. having a relationship with the creator God who knit us together in our mother's wombs, who knows us intimately, uh, who, who knows the good and the bad that we've done, uh, and nevertheless in our sin said, no, they are mine. And he advocates for us on behalf, on our behalf to the father. So when God looks at those of us that put our faith and trust in Christ, God does not see the sinful wretch that we were born into this flesh as he sees a reflection of his own son right. in us. And that's what access, that's what gives us access to fellowship with our creator. And right. that does include eternal life, but that's not just the benefit of salvation is we get to have eternal life beginning on earth. Now we get to commune with our father on earth we get to to know our creator intimately to to read his story to partake in his overall story of redemption for a fallen earth that will be restored one day and if you listen to the podcast uh, earlier we talked about just what heaven may be like what what paradise may be like but god has a plan and right. uh, that plan is not going to fail and even when it looks like it it will it won't um, and we are called to put our trust in him to claim the, the lordship of Jesus Christ and to turn away from the sin that used to 
rule us that has been defeated with Christ on the cross, that we have now become slaves to Christ. We were once uh, mastered by our sin, but Christ is our master in Jesus' name. Amen, man. Yeah. Doesn't mean you're not going to sin, right? Just means right. You, know, you have freedom from that sin. Right. So amazing. Praise God. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, thank you for joining us on episode 39 of the Rad. Uh, episode 40 will be in two weeks. We'll see you Wednesday. God bless you guys. Uh, enjoy. If you need to contact us, doctrinesarad at gmail.com or, uh, you know, follow us here on Twitter or, or on Twitter or here on YouTube. All right. Nice. God bless you guys. See ya. See ya.